and welcome to Reliving My You. My name is Noel Fullwoman. My guest this week is singer-songwriter Katie Costello. Now Katie, when she was 17, moved across country from LA to New York City to start her career. She wasn't even done with high school yet. She was an independent artist back then, and she still is to this day. I asked her if there was ever a chance of her signing with a major label. We also discussed her latest album, Stereotype. It's out now to rave reviews, and it's fantastic. We also discussed some of her other songs. I first discovered Katie when she opened up for Toad the West Rocket over a decade ago, and if there's a different mindset when she opens up for an artist as opposed to a solo show. Really enjoy my conversation with Katie. Hope you do as well. So Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's so mutual, Noel. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, of course. Before we talk about your latest release, Stereotype, which I absolutely love, uh, I just want to tell you how I first discovered your music. And um, you opened for, I, I don't remember what year, maybe it was 2010 or 11, you opened for Toe the West Rocket, um, yes. Long Island. And I love them. Great show. And you were unbelievable. And after you did your set, I you did a little meet and greet. So I immediately got your CD and I think it was Lamplight. I think that's the one you're yeah, that was what, promoting. Yeah. yeah. So I had it signed and stuff like that. So I still have it. Uh, I think I still have a CD player in the house, but I still have the CD, but um, yeah. I so love, that. love, love the show. Um, now when you open up for like an artist and I don't even think you were billed on there. I think you, we just knew you were there when you, you came out. Mm-hmm. Do you, is your approach different? Like trying to win over a crowd where people don't know you as opposed to people coming to see you just for you knowing that you're performing your music? You know, that's such a great question. First of all, I love that you were at that show. Those shows were really memorable for me. They were all like really, really fun shows, um, like kind of notably fun. And I remember each of them. So I love that you were there. And I, that's so, that's so cool that we actually, you know, met back then because but they are really special shows to me. And while well, your question, what you said is so true that when you are an unknown artist, people don't know your name yet. You know, there's definitely a different dynamic with the crowd um, and and it, winning them over, if you will. Um, and that's definitely like, you know, the the goal. And it, it's really cool because oftentimes people who are there to see a band, let alone a band like Toad the Wet Sprocket, you know, you're already kind of entering a room with a lot of like sincere music fans so from that point of view I feel like they were great audiences to win over because they were already like you know people who are keen on listening to to music live in a way that right. I think is you know made, made it made my job easier if you will <laughs> yeah no I, absolutely and you you know you made like a lifelong long fan of me that night as well but it was oh, also like a good you know like you know, mixture of music. It wasn't like a star contrast. Like you're like, you know, hip hop or whatever, and you're opening for, you know, to the West Rocket. So it was yeah. kind of a nice, you know, like um, segue into you know into their music. And I I, I love that. And and thank you so much because it was super fun watching them every night. Yeah. And um and I and I felt like that too. Like it was a cool cool. Yeah. The whole show felt like a you know very something I was very proud to be part of. Yeah. Did you ever ask uh, Glenn why he performs barefoot? 
<laughs> you know, I don't even know if I needed to ask. I just figured it was because it's so, so comfortable. Right. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a, he's a, such a seasoned performer. So um, I, I, I figured it was just, you know, learning curve. Yeah. That- yeah, I, I had him on a couple of years ago and I, I asked him that question and it was exactly what, what you said. Just, <laughs> just comfort, you know, <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's, it's that awesome. is so funny. I, yeah. I love that. I love that. So I'm glad that I was I had the right idea with that. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Now, like your your first album, Kaleidoscope Machine, came out when you were 17. Right. And you're originally from California. You moved to New York. Now, how was the culture shock for that? Did you move by yourself? Did your family come? Like, tell me just about that whole like process of just moving across country. Yeah, you know, um, it was a really incredible time because I w- was actually not out of high school yet. So I elected to do my last year of high school online. So okay. it, was, it was sort of interesting because, at, you know, now, let alone after the, the pandemic, it's like everybody has a familiarity with online school you know um but but at that time it was it was really unusual um and I was lucky enough to get into a program where I could finish my last year of high school online but it's funny because in terms of culture shock although New York I mean it was just completely 100% different than where I grew up in in um in Los Angeles in Southern California but at the same time, I was so ready for it. I so want, I wanted to live in New York City so bad right. that I think it was just like, I was like a fish in water. So when I like touched down, it was kind of like, I'm here, yeah. I'm in my new home. And I just <laughs> already felt really like at home there. But um, um, I did move, I did move by myself, but I had some best friends and my, you know, my parents helped me out, you know, okay. when we were, I was moving in, but um. But yeah, the first night where I was like, you know, like by myself in my apartment for the very first time, it was definitely one of those moments where I was like, wow, like it happened. Like, you know, I'm an artist in New York City and like it it really felt like a dream come true moving there. That's us. And your parents were completely on board with you doing it 100%. (laughs) You know, um, well, as you can imagine, for a 17 year old, uh, they had a lot of misgivings about it. And that was something that, you know, it was, it was basically around my 18th birthday that I actually did move because of that, because of, you know, those logistical reasons. Right. But, um, I actually was going to, um, that part of New York because I was at the time, uh, going to go to New York university, NYU. Okay. Right. And I had got accepted into the Clive Davis, uh, wow. in- Institute of recorded music. And so I was going to go there. Um, and my, so that was, that was a big part of, I think my parents actually being kind of open to it was right. that I did have this plan of going to college. And then, um, when I told them, you know, that I, I had decided that I wouldn't be doing that. Um, and that was around the time I was actually making lamplight and that was a okay. big decision. Um, it was really difficult at the time, but I, you know, I, I thought, um, this is what I need to do. And, and of course, you know, parents, you know, naturally being worried for their, their kids, you know, yeah. that was not a, that was not a popularly received decision at the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but over the years, you know, uh, you know, they've, they've come to definitely appreciate why I, I've made the choices I've made for sure. Right. And you're going to do it anyway. So you, you might as well just support you. you yeah. Know, you know, we all have it. to follow our own path, you know, right. and I, I, I think that they recognize, you know, that that was exactly what it was. Right. Yeah. No, I, I have three myself. So, I mean, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. So if one comes to me and said, you know, they want to move cross country and like, 
you know, I better support them. You know, <laughs> I don't, yeah, don't want to no, lose them. <laughs> for sure. It's not, it's not, it's not easy. And I can only imagine that, you know, it's, it's worrying when your kids like across the country, but at the same time, when you know that they are like doing what they love, it, I think it makes it easier. Right. Yeah. My oldest is a sophomore in college right now. So he's about four hours away. So <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. That's pretty close. Yeah. And not bad. You know, it's close enough where we can just drive to get him far enough where he's not going to come home and annoy us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Best yeah. of both worlds. Exactly. <laughs> now, did your like process, you know, because I guess it's over a decade now uh, between Kaleidoscope Machine and Stereotype. Did any of your process change between making that album? And then making stereotype. Yeah, you know it's um that's a great question. I definitely um I think that my songwriting has definitely evolved as I've done it. You know over the years, and um I I definitely uh, had a chapter where I was really interested in collaborating with other songwriters and producers in a way that um, my earlier music was basically me always writing by myself at the piano or on guitar by myself. So because of that really solitary element of, of approaching my music that way at the time, um, it was really fun and refreshing to like collaborate with a bunch of people. And I feel like I picked up on like a bunch of different things I learned from pretty much everyone I worked with. Um, and so then that kind of came back with me to my solo writing. So on Stereotype, there's some songs that, you know, I wrote by myself and then there are ones that are collaborations. And so that's definitely like kind of the evolution of it that uh, it was sort of like a, a lot of collaboration and then kind of coming back to my roots sort of. Right. Now, have you ever experienced like writer's block at all? <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, for the purposes of this interview, absolutely no. not. Of absolutely course. Never. Never. <laughs> never. Don't know, even know what it is. Exactly. Um, Pen to paper, <laughs> song in a five minutes, right? <laughs> I will, I will, I will say, I will say, I do feel really, really fortunate that um, I do feel like I have experienced less, less writer's block than, um, a lot of uh, even beloved authors that I love, right. you know, when I read certain pained passages of their, of their, of their writer's block, I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're describing it so well, but I'm so yeah. glad I'm like not in that at this moment. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, of course I've experienced it. And um, I think everybody goes through it at times. Um, and it's just the ebb and flow of making a lot of stuff, you know, sometimes yeah. you just, you just don't have anything to say <laughs> <laughs> right now i had someone on and he, he was like never experienced writer's block either i write or i don't write you know it's like i'm yeah. not going to I, I have nothing to write i'm so you know freaked out i just want to write until i have something to write so i figured that's totally. a good approach yeah <laughs> totally no you know it, it is funny though i think every songwriter though does have a thing where um if they haven't written a song for like a like a little like you know yeah. maybe longer than a normal passage of time there's definitely an anxiety of like, did something happen to me? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Am I still okay? Do yeah. I know how to do this? And then of course, like, you know, it's like, you know, then the next moment you're like, suddenly something's coming to your head and you're like, okay, I, 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 I still have it. It's yeah. not, it didn't go anywhere, but it's just, you know, when you're, when you're new to that experience as, yeah. as an early songwriter, you, you, it definitely is freaky when you like kind of, you know, the well feels dried up at that moment. Yeah. Now, is it easier for you to write 
in a place of like positivity or negativity, like heartbreak, you know, being in love, like what's easier for you? That's such a great question. I, it's so funny because I think that um, it can really just depend on every moment, but I would overall say that I very much like to write uh, in both states. I'll say that, yeah. but uh, I think it is harder to write when, when you're happy. I think it's harder to, I, I think it's, or I should say it like this, um, it, when I'm when I'm experiencing something that feels very painful, the natural catharsis of writing a song is really natural in a way that when I'm happy, I feel like I can have something similar too. But um, it it feels like there's a little bit more involved in that mm -hmm. than sort of the uh, when I'm in like a kind of a you know what I would call more negative emotion if you will or like a sadder emotion it kind of comes out a little bit less maybe less filtered right no that makes total sense now has there been a song like you've written like being like completely negative that it's been therapeutic for you but you just didn't want to release it oh that's a really good question um Yes, definitely. <laughs> there are some there are some songs that I've I've written that I feel like have been really like thera therapeutic. But when I listened back to them, yeah. it was like I didn't think they were the best songs, and I and not because I don't like I wouldn't want someone to hear it, but it's right. more it's more that like I think that the al the albums that I've been putting out, I've been really wanting the songs to be very very special of like a certain kind of caliber. And so I feel really lucky because I feel like I write so much that there's often a lot of songs that are like, you know, okay, I'm going to leave this for the vault, you know, yeah. right. <laughs> That's going to go into a little drawer. Yeah. <laughs> have you gone back to like those songs, like say from the vault? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I actually have like a lot of ideas that, you know, sometimes I'll kind of revisit or kind of work on again. I, def I definitely have songs that have sort of like, I've been writing for years and they're still not kind of done, but they just sort of get written every once in a while. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Because you, um, it's been, I think, like seven years since uh, Twice, Twice <laughs> Love, like your last, like, you know, full-length uh, LP. And in between, you had some songs that you released that are on Stereotype, right? I mean, like, I think Polaroid it was was out there for a while, which is an unbelievable yes. song. But, um, yeah, and you've, you've done, like, the EPs, like, here and there. Um, do you think now it's kind of how the music business is going that way. Like just release songs as you have them release the EP. And then if you want to release an album, you just do it that way too.
it's a it's a great question. I think that I think that that in many ways what you described is how the industry seems to have been evolving. But I I I feel really grateful that I think that because of there being so many years of that approach, I think that people are ready and kind of interested in good albums again. Um, in a way that I think is kind of on the uprise or, uh, you know, kind of uh, increasing. And so I, I think that um, that feels exciting to me because I've always loved albums and, um, you know, and I, and I have been releasing stuff over the years, even when, you know, I wasn't releasing a full length uh, album just because, you know, I, I, I love putting things out there right. and let alone the case of Polaroid. Like I loved that there was this acoustic version as well as the produced version. And yeah. so I definitely wanted to have both versions out there. Okay. Now you're being an independent art, artist pretty much from, from the get go. Was there ever like an opportunity for you to sign with a big label? Yeah, it's um, I, I feel very fortunate that, you know, actually pretty much with almost, yeah, with all of my album releases there has been label interest um in 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 me as an artist and i feel very grateful for that um you know early on the 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 offers that were given to me they really weren't the the best offers and there were things already at that time that because i had um i had met a lot of musicians living in new york i met so many different people so many different artists and so many people i actually had like a lot of good fortune of meeting a lot of people who were already signed to labels and so i started to like really uh learn a lot about how not all situations at major labels are good right so there were a lot of circumstances where i was offered things but that it really didn't make sense at that time in my career to um have to accept something that didn't feel a hundred percent like it was the best thing for me long-term. And so because of that, you know, it never really manifested. Um, but you know, with Kaleidoscope Machine, with Lamplight, uh, with Twice the Love, um, even with the songs from Stereotype, thankfully there has been label interest, but, um, for it to have gone all the way to the point of it being like a a, a good deal that has not come right. about. And that is something that uh, because of that, maintaining my independence uh, as an, you know, as an artist mm -hmm. has been really positive for me. Right. And I mean, it's amazing. Like even like discussing it with, you know, artists when you were younger and stuff like that, that you kind of held to your guns and not saying, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care what you people say. I'm, I'm going to get on a big label and make it big. The fact that you kind of like listen to them and kind of, you know, learn from their experiences and then, you know, kind of did it your own way. It's a testament, you know, to yourself too. Thank you so much, Noel. I really, I, I really appreciate that because I, it wasn't, it wasn't always easy to say, uh, you know, to walk away from certain things, but it really was because of uh, the experiences I was hearing about from other people and even my own where, you know, there were circumstances where I knew of people who had signed to labels and the label decided not to release the album right. and and they didn't get a chance Th that album was shelved and then it was like it was also being held hostage so they yeah. couldn't even release their own music so there was a lot of different th yeah. things that were already circulating at that time where um you know it felt like something that i i had to do i had to make a choice mm -hmm. to uh protect what i felt was 
what I wanted to create long term. And um, I, I, I do feel very proud of that because I think that uh, more artists, I, I think that when people hear, oh, wow, you know, like that label deal wasn't very good or this thing, right. it kind of changes your perception of how valuable you feel like those things are. Right. Now, I guess on the other side of it, you do twice the work now being an independent artist you have to obviously you know promote yourself <laughs> yeah. and, and do that and maybe you get half of the recognition half of the reward but you stay true to yourself you know amen so i amen. guess you know it's a good balance i guess you can say amen and and you know i think that it's really for me it's really really fun when i see artists um like sort of break into the mainstream having um kept their artistic and and sort of uh, creative integrity and spirit alive and that's something that you know I'm very open to being with a major label I'm very right. open to I'm open to the biggest opportunities that come come of to course. me right. um you know and definitely I feel uh open to them but it it's something that um I do think that it has to be it has to work for for your art and for your yeah. you know for your vision of your life you know Right now, absolutely. Now, how old were you when you wrote your first song? Uh, I was, I was around eleven and twelve when I started writing songs, but I didn't play an instrument yet. So I feel like the the first like song where I wrote the piano yeah. and the and the lyric and everything was when I was thirteen. Okay, and yeah. any of those songs ever get released or not? It's so funny you asked that. Um, Actually, the first song I ever wrote is a song called Alone in the Crowd. Okay, yeah. And, and it's really funny because it is one of those songs that has just stayed with me ever since I wrote it. Like, I play it every once in a while. Like, it just, it, I really yeah. connect with it still. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I admit, I'm like, wow, that's, mm -hmm. it, it shocks me that that was my right. first song. Because I'm like, you know, it's not like they were all, I feel like that afterwards. You <laughs> yeah, know? Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I do have a plan to hopefully release that one day for sure. Right. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, I mean, like, like probably one of the biggest songs you know, of course, Cassette Tape, which is, you know, an amazing song. And it's just kind of funny how, like, you know, they're all dead pretty much now. Cassettes, I mean, you know, vinyls make a, made a return. Everyone loves vinyls. And I feel like I don't think cassette tapes are ever going to make a return.
You know what's so funny is that um, when I used to go to Amoeba Records in Hollywood, I would I would basically whenever I had as soon as I could drive and I had any amount of money, I'd go yeah. there and just like spend all of it on records. Right. And it was so funny because the cassette section, yeah. all of the used cassettes were like one or two dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so that became super economical to buy right. a bunch of cassettes. But it was hilarious yeah. because my machine it was like I started to see the the uh, the shortcomings of cassettes, and then mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. the way that they would you know explode sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Got to pull the tape out. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's I saw that the, a ton. Yeah, and then you had the point where you're like, I'm not even gonna be able to reel that back in to the no. So this is just that's yeah. how it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean they were fun making the mixtapes and whatnot. That was easy. Or take, yeah. like, you know, music off the radio, you know, putting yeah. set. I have half nine month cassette tapes with half a song on there because I really <laughs> like the song, you know. <laughs> totally. And it's so funny because that was like a little bit before my era, but right. I actually bought a cassette, like a, a something to basically do that type of recording too, yeah. because I thought it was the coolest thing to actually like have a legit mixtape. Like, oh, I was, yeah, it was awesome. that was yeah. what I wanted to be able to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little bit older than you, sorry. You know, cassettes were, you know. No, I was burning. I was burning CDs, so it was like oh, we all yeah. have our oh yeah, mixtape vibes. Oh yeah. And now, now it's just a Spotify playlist. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. convenient, but I I miss you know making the tapes and burning CDs. You know. Me too. I it do too. So much fun. And like, I- I always remember like kind of like even like a, when you would like write out the track listing because it, it didn't come up, you know, and yeah. I missed that too. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Just get a Sharpie and write it on the either the yeah. CD or just put it on like the, you know, the cover or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. I have like thousands of CDs. My wife was like, you got to get rid of these. I'm like, so, okay, sure. I will. So I, I just got rid of the cases and what like album like you know album like yeah. put them in there and then it's so much easier than oh my god i love that but i yeah. i i agree i have a hard time getting rid of like let alone the ones i've made myself like the right CDs that you're talking about yeah I, it's like kind of like it's hard it's hard to let go of those oh yeah totally i just got rid of the case. i have mine too I, yeah i put the cover like right in there so the, i still have the cover and the you know because some of them have a liner note still and like with the you know who worked on the production and also the lyrics which were always great and you know now it's totally. like you don't really get sometimes on spotify you'll get like the lyrics but yeah not the same, you know you know i i i there's so many things i love about the digital music era yeah. but like that is something that i personally really miss because like for me like growing up like yeah. that was why i did get into vinyl and cassettes and right like, i just love and then basically you know of course cds were like the big thing at that time but it was so yeah. funny cds were so expensive yeah yeah you know, that was, you know, part of why I kind of got into vinyl and stuff like that. But um, I just loved reading the liner notes. For me, that was always like a super big thing. Yeah. And like seeing who the songwriters were, seeing who the producers were. And I've, that's yeah. always been something I've loved. Well, absolutely. And I just miss the stores, you know, just going yeah. in there, like the listening stations and stuff like I that. I so agree with yeah. you. Oh my gosh. I so agree. Like the culture, like it's like yeah. there was much, there was more of like kind of like, it, it and it felt like you got into conversations with music people at those yeah. places that were exactly it's kind of hard to it, it's like if you don't have an environment like that it's sort of hard to have those conversations naturally like yeah and just any place i'm not saying they don't happen i you know right. hopefully they still you know do yeah 
but they're but, not uh, as like you know prevalent now and so unfortunately you know yeah no that's yeah. why I, like whenever I'm like in a certain place I try to like you know go to the local record store because yeah. for me it still feels like that's like where 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 yeah. the pulse is oh absolutely absolutely or just going in there you know pre-shazam days when you had a lyric in your head and you had to ask the per yeah. do you know this song and you sound like an idiot trying to sing it to <laughs> you're like the time they part know. of it yeah, exactly. And then sometimes the lyrics are not even the right lyrics, you know. Totally, totally. Yeah. Oh God, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite song of yours, it, it has to be, you know, Everything Has Its Way. Take away the night and 
Yeah, and I had no idea that it was actually featured on a bunch of TV shows as well. So I got the uh, Follow You Every Beat EP, and then I just discovered the song on, on there. And um, yeah, so let's talk about you know that song. You know, everything has its way. Wow, thank you. I, I'm I'm so happy that that's something that you've connected with. Um, that was a really, really fun EP to make, actually. That that um was definitely in my um uh I was having a really excellent collaboration experience with uh Pietman and Eric Schirmerhorn, who okay. are the two collaborators, uh, uh songwriter collaborators yeah. and even producer collaborators on that record. And um you know, we just had a really natural chemistry in the room. It was actually like really exciting for me to kind of like, um, because I'm an instrumentalist too, and I've always like written by myself at an instrument. It was fun to kind of like, um, kind of take a little like space from that and be like, not, not like only the vocalist, because I definitely was part of like musical and production choices, but it was also like, I felt like I got to kind of I guess tapped into a little bit of a different part of my creative personality. And so that, um, that song came out really naturally. We just started like, you know, I, one of us, I think Pete was playing the guitar part and, uh, and it just, the, the song kind of just came out like that. And it was, um, definitely the vibe and the capture of it is, you know, a song that is sort of like about just the way that our world, the way that our existence is and just sort of like, everything has this way of, of, of ebbing and flowing and kind of like there's a sort of epic majesty in it. And, uh, and so that was sort of the, the vibe behind the, uh, the record. Right. Now, like when you like get your songs on, you know, TV shows that are, you know, actually big, you know, big name TV shows, how much exposure and how much like, you know, album sales or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, single cells. How does that, you know, uh, translate for you? It's a great question. You know, er literally every situation has been 100% different. Like it's, it's really interesting. Like um, I feel like in the case with everything has its way that definitely the, um, the placement of that felt like it definitely translated to uh, more listeners people who are specifically asking about that song and it that that song was featured in the episode in a way that you could really hear it right. so I think a lot of people heard the song and connected to it because it was very featured but like for example I have had music where it's been on a very big show but because it's a little bit pulled in the background it's not so featured or yeah. upfront in the scene you know there hasn't actually been that much um I wouldn't say I wouldn't say there's a there's always exposure with these things. That's what's wonderful about them. Um, but just the, some of them are more so than others. Some of them definitely connect more with others just because of where it is in the scene and how how, you know, how featured it is. Right. Yeah. Now with um, Stereotype just came out and I'm not just saying it because it's the latest album and you got to promote it, but I think it's your best album to date. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Right. You know, and it's very upbeat, very poppy and, and, and stuff like that. Now, yeah. when you go into an, like a creation of an album, does it organically come about the theme of the album or do you kind of go in knowing? Great question. For stereotypes specifically, um, there was each song was felt very specific. And then when 
we were conceptualizing what the title of the album would be, it felt like stereotype emerged as this sort of song that captures a lot of the uh, the sort of heart and soul of the album. And so that became like the natural title of it. Um, so it, I didn't go into the experience knowing that the album would be called Stereotype, but it definitely, because of each song having a kind of um, like a really intentional uh, way of being written, you know, once once we knew what the album was going to be, um, it, 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 it became obvious that Stereotype sort of just captured the, the, the heart of the of the album. Have you ever been stereotyped in your life? <laughs> Who hasn't, right? right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, uh total, you know, I think as a I think as a as a uh as a person, we all do. We all we all get we all get kind of put into a, a category that we're not, or kind of people assume things maybe because of certain types of you know conditions or or kind of like, you know, we get pressured to act in a certain way that is sort of so. Yeah, we. I, I think I, I'd be I'd be impressed if anyone was like, nope, I've nope, never, never. It's never happened to me. <laughs> exactly, you know, never. You know, they see me for who I am, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I hope so. That's that's. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Like, but you know, goal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's not the case, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember where you were the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? I totally do. <laughs> so I I I was. I was on Broadway uh, and I had just uh, come around the corner from Prince Street. This okay. is in Soho. And it's like a really like, you know, this is a very busy street. And it's just like such a kind of New York City street. And I remember my manager at the time called me and um, and they were like, they were like, uh, you know, uh, your song is on on KCRW on mm -hmm. L.A. radio. Um, and they kind of, you know, put a little like, you know, put the speaker close to like, you know, the and I could hear a little bit of it. And I was just like, ah! <laughs> I could not believe right. where I was and that this like had happened. And it was just so cool. I was so stoked. And let alone KCRW, like they were already my favorite radio station at right. that time. So I felt like it was a double double whammy of yeah. like my favorite radio station was playing it. And that was it was a very big deal. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's really great. You have a live show, right? Release party for Stereotype coming up soon, yeah. right? So uh, the Stereotype album release show is at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood. And it's a great, great part of L.A. Uh, you know, I, I was mentioning Amoeba Records and the uh, the old Amoeba Records used to be right around the corner there. So a great, great part of the heart of Hollywood. And, uh, and I'm going to be you know, playing the songs and it's going to be a really fun night. I'm, I'm super, super stoked to basically play these songs live. And I feel like the, the shows I've been playing where I've been playing these live um, it's felt really nice seeing the, the audience response. And um, be because I'm playing the show solo, it's also like a chance where like they are in their stripped down, like kind of original form. And so that's been really fun to be able to play the songs like that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So how do you decide when you're going to have like your like your band with you as opposed to just being a solo show? Yeah. You know, it's it's it 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 changes all the time because it's so many different factors. Um, I love playing with a band. So, so, so fun. Um, 
a big part of it is is that I felt that these songs, because of the nature of them, they you know the the music and the lyrics they're they're something that um when they're showcased by themselves I feel like they mm-hmm. they have a really special quality and so I I felt like stereotype these songs especially felt like you know it it would be nice for the audience to hear them in their stripped down okay. form first as right. like a little little entryway to it but you know I definitely plan to play with the band again for sure okay awesome yeah so I think like this is a life is probably going to be great with a band I'd imagine <laughs> yeah I'm very stoked very stoked for the yeah. how should i say the uh the uh hollywood bowl for full orchestra version yeah. of this is the life right yeah. that out there <laughs> yeah, absolutely if anyone's listening who has contacts right <laughs> yes <laughs> please if anyone's listening i have a whole hollywood bowl show full orchestra Good. right so and i've we, got i've got and if we make that happen i I want, you know, I want front row seats, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, yeah. if it happens, I will remember this. <laughs> okay, good. I appreciate it. And you'll play barefoot too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I might have to. I might yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So where can uh, people find you online? You know, um, I, I I used to make a joke at shows that I realized later, you know, could sound somewhat misleading, but right. I'm I'm on every website you've ever heard of. Yeah, I can and probably see like, why that's misleading. <laughs> and then after I said that enough times at shows, I was like, this is funny, but it yeah. could also sound like more websites than just the normal ones. Exactly, right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube, I'm on TikTok. My 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 handle on most of on most of the sites is Katie Music, K-A-T-I-E music. Um, but it's also Katie Costello music on some of them. Um, but, uh, I have, I have, I actually have a new website with a new merch store. And, uh, so I'm on Bandcamp, and, uh, yeah, all, all those, all those, all those good places. Oh, that's awesome. But congratulations on stereotype. Um, it is yeah. awesome. I look forward to you coming to New York and playing, you know, hometown show for yourself as well. Here, and, here. Uh, you best so of luck much. for your LA show. Thank you so much, Noel. I'm so so happy that that you that you've connected with Stereotype and and so happy to know that you know having heard Lamplight and met you back then, it's so so great you know reconnecting with you now. And a special thanks to Katie for joining me today. Go check out Stereotype as well as all of our other music. They're on all the streaming sites. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on X, formerly Twitter, at the first one nine, or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, basically where we can find a podcast. A new episode will come out soon. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.